The United States is a country we naturally hear a lot about. Culturally, we are closely linked. But for a country with a large, relatively wealthy population, with a significant portion living in a cold climate, the US rates much lower than it should when it comes to its use, purchase and understanding of wool. There's a lot of history behind that. Today on The Yarn, we talk about the future for wool in North America. We look in detail at the challenges, the opportunities, new campaigns and the headway being made in this huge market. And the optimism might surprise you. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. Now, we heard from North American retailers back in episode 108 when Gap and Lululemon came to Australia. It's an episode that gives this episode great context and vice versa. But today we hear from Michelle Lee, head of Americas for Woolmark. So she oversees the United States, Canada, Mexico, and indeed South America, with offices on both the East Coast and the West Coast of the US. I caught up with Michelle, who first explained the staggering effect this pandemic is having on the world's largest economy. The pandemic has created a demand shock, a supply shock, and a financial shock all at once. Um, you know, and of course, there's um, a lot of political uncertainty in the United States and 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 social unrest and conflict. Um, but you know, it's nothing like in terms of the political uncertainty. It's nothing that this country hasn't gone through before. Uh, you know, Americans are very resilient and they're used to a lot of uncertainty. You know, if you look back in American history, the Civil War, 9-11, this country, uh, the United States, it goes through extremes, you know. They're used to the changing climate. But, you know, in terms of the COVID situation, that is obviously, that's a very, it's it's quite grim. You know, uh, we, today we, we surpassed 200,000 people in terms of deaths, um, and 6.8 million people have been infected since the pandemic started. And actually the CDC uh, predicts that up to 18,000 more people could die from the virus by next month, October. While perhaps what you're seeing in Australia is all doom and gloom, you know, if you go out into to out to the shopping centres, people are getting used to a new normal. Everyone's wearing masks and you know, I was just at a shopping centre the other day and, you know, while there seems to be um, lower foot traffic, people are actually visiting the malls. And, you know, Americans are, as I said, they're used to rapid change. And, you know, from this pandemic, we're going to see new businesses created and businesses will innovate. Um, so while it is a terrible situation with COVID, Americans are getting used to a new normal. Um, and, you know, we're very close to um, the election. Um, and I think once we have the election in November, I think a lot of that uncertainty will, will dissipate. But, yeah, we're getting, used to, we're getting used to it. And America's economic recovery has mostly settled into a trend of gradual improvement. Um, so it, it will take some time, but the economy will recover. The US, of course, is a very cotton-centric country and, and appreciate that you managing Canada surely is an important market potentially for wool as well. But how do we change the perceptions of wool historically as particularly in the US, it's always referred to as that itchy fibre. Um, how do you how do you break that? Well first it's it's I guess if we look back in history, 
the the association with the Americans that they have of, of wool is, of course, that it's itchy and scratchy. But I think as we see um, uh, the the growers providing finer wool, um, we see a change in consumer as well. Um, and what we're seeing is also a change, a shift in the type of demographics in the consumer. Obviously, consumers are becoming more educated um, and we're seeing a more conscious consumer. And, of course, there's more, a lot more interest in sustainable fashion and quality. So what we're seeing is an increased adoption um, of wool by the Americans. While it is very challenging, it has been very challenging, uh, what we're seeing is an increased adoption, in, particularly in the sports and outdoor market, um, where, where there's a lot of opportunity for us. Um, so I think there's, there's many factors there. Like I said, the, the conscious consumer is really helping that shift. Um, because of that psychology, I think what we've been focusing on is really trying to educate the consumer about, about wool and about the benefits of wool. And we are sh- seeing that change in the sort of the younger generations. So that's where we see the opportunity is really through education and really tapping into that conscious consumer. That's interesting you mentioned that. Um, obviously, the sustainable, renewable, biodegradable nature of wool works very strongly with all those messages. And clearly, uh, from what you're saying, people are listening to it or a certain segment of the market is. Um, do you talk in your marketing about wool or about merino? Um, we find that by um, communicating merino wool um, that has a, a, a connotation of, 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 um, of a more luxurious and fine fibre. So through our communication with the, the North American consumers, we, we do promote merino. But, you know, we do interchange between merino and wool. But um, what we do find is, yes, there's a lot of um, – if you, if you look back maybe 10 years ago, the American consumer wouldn't have known what merino is. But now that you're finding a, a very uh, lot more educated consumer who understand what merino is and the difference between merino wool and, and wool in general. That's good to know. Uh, you've got a huge market. I mean, America is right up there amongst the top consuming nations uh, of wool by nation, not necessarily by uh, per capita. You've got a big job over there, Michelle, and um, relatively few resources. How do you approach that market and and talk us through some of the campaigns and uh, sort of everyday working life for you? Sure. Um, Well, we've been very focused and measured on our strategy in approaching the North American market. As you were saying, it's it's a very challenging market uh, because of the perception of uh, marina wool or wool. Um, and we've been focused on really three areas, and that's been really um, positioning our brand and building our reputation, but also positioning the fibre. And we do that by um, uh, meaningful and impactful partnerships um, and um, really gener- trying to generate industry credibility and respect by really positioning um, the Walmart company as a leader, as a thought leader um, in the industry. Um, so that's really our B2B approach. And then obviously the B2C approach is through these meaningful and impactful partnerships that we broker with um, both the fashion brands as well as the sports and outdoor brands. Um, and second to that is building awareness um, for, for the brand and fibre 
and generating these this type of awareness through, um, as I mentioned, partnerships, but also marketing campaigns because through the marketing campaigns, it's really, you know, marketing is, you know, the art of persuasion. So really trying to persuade in a way the Americans um, the, the benefits uh, of merino wool. And then third is through education um, because you'd be surprised how many um, designers, um, sourcing managers, product developers um, don't really understand the true benefits of merino. So I think education has been really key to um, really trying to break down and debunk the, a lot of the myths that Americans have um, with merino wool. So what we've been doing is really focused on education with um, with those that are designing, those that are developing, and those that are sourcing. But also we extend that training to sales associates of the brands um, to ensure that they're sell-through and engagement with the consumer, to really educate them on how should they be communicating the benefits of merino wool to their customer. Uh, luckily for us, we've established some great relationships with a lot of the, the key players that are still standing right now in the fashion industry. Um, and looking at those retailers and brands that have delivered unparalleled expertise and customer service in their category during this pandemic, um, because I think, um, you know, our past work with them has been, it's taken a, a while to reach some of these really big players um, because it's such an enormous market um, and it's so competitive. Um, so that's the, the pivot that we've done through this this pandemic has really focused on, okay, who are those players that are, are financially stable but also have volume but also have influence? And um, what we've found is that obviously the digital first brands and retailers are doing better than ever. Um, for example, they um, gained um, an extra 20% of sales from their 2019 levels in 2020. And, you know, mass retailers like um, Costco, think of the likes of Amazon, Target, they all posted record second quarter sales um, and they've all outperformed um, in their earnings, um, not only because they're a one-stop shop, um, but because they've been able to remain open during stay-at-home orders but also, obviously, because they had very strong e-commerce platforms. Um, so, you know, what I'm finding and what the team we're finding is that companies that can control their own destiny with a solid balance sheet are those that can, will come through on the other side. So um, we've really been um, focused on, on those companies to, to, to think about the opportunities for our growers. Um, and also, luckily... Um, we do have a fiber advocacy campaign happening, about to happen in, in our market, um, and that's a Feel Merino campaign that's been led out of our Sydney office by Laura Armstrong, and that is um, going to be a sales-driving partnership with Amazon, which obviously is the, the biggest retailer and the most powerful retailer um, in North America. Um, so I think, you know, we've been able to flex, um, our ability to work with both these vol high volume brands and the fashion brands. Did that, uh, answer your question? Of course it did, Michelle. Yes, it was a very thorough, uh, and well, well executed answer. Thank you. you um, it, there's a lot going on over there and 
the Amazon campaign particularly sounds really exciting. So I look forward to hearing a bit more about that. Um, two of the brands um, that we've seen recently in Australia uh, were Gap and Lululemon. Uh, it was a wonderful trip that uh, was organised out of the US. Um, now, they represent two interesting brands for your market. What does a trip like that yield for you? Um, that trip was re- extremely beneficial um, for our team. You know, it was very eye-opening to um, to the folks at Gap and Lululemon um, because it really provided them a perspective of the wool grower and it showed how passionate the wool growers are about what they do and, and their sheep and how much work actually goes into providing their brands the wool. Um, and they went into thinking when they came, before they came to Australia, you know, they went into thinking about um, and the whole animal welfare issue, you know, they had a certain understanding about what um, animal welfare issues our growers face. But I think they didn't realise the different um, pain relief options that were offered and the amount of research and effort that goes into preventing fly strike and how much the growers care for their flock and how important it is for them. Um, and so because of the, the, that brand, those brand visits, they really got a, a better understanding um, of, of the animal welfare issue. And so because of that, it really has further solidified our relationship with these really important brands. Um, and they are continuing to expand wool throughout different categories. Like, for example, uh, Lululemon, you know, in the past season, they did have um, 30,000 units in wool. And this is going from not having any wool at all to really expanding into Lululemon Lab, which is um, uh, one of the lines of the company. And we still continue to talk to Lululemon. And as they focus on issues of sustainability and quality, they continue to look to us and they continue to work with us. And uh, they are very important to us um, uh, as one of the key brands to work with. As, and I, as I mentioned, you know, um, I might have mentioned before, um, Lululemon is one of those brands that is really um, performing, outperforming a lot of the other brands. You know, Lululemon's online sales were up 157% um, just last month. Um, and so they are an important player and an important brand um, for us to be working with. And the Gap family of brands, you know, while um, the Gap family is sort of that mid-tier, they are still um, standing um, during this pandemic and they are focused on improving quality but also sustainability is huge to them. Um, so we continue to work with them. So because of that visit and um, because of the growers um, meeting with them and educating them, it really did shift their perspective and understanding of 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 marina wool and wool in general well it was a great pleasure to host them it's a pity we can't get every brand over here to to do that with it sounds like it uh, it's yielding really well michelle and uh is lululemon posting those extraordinary results because they are sort of a, a very um they're in that leisure wear market uh, is that why they've done so well no oh, absolutely you know the lifestyle everyone has adopted now, I guess, around the world is what uber casual, you know, it's like casual on steroids now. The focus is on basics now, now that everyone's working from home. And, you know, Lululemon is proving to be a bright spot um, 
in an apparel industry that has been, you know, pummeled by this pandemic, you know, because we've seen a number of bankruptcies in the United States, including J. Crew, Brooks Brothers, Neiman Marcus, and J.C. Penney, just to name a few. Um, so Lululemon is really one of those few companies that sells clothing um, and is actually looking to open new stores this fiscal year. So um, they're definitely an anomaly in in the retail industry right now. They're aiming to open, I understand, 30 to 35 new locations this fiscal year. Um, so the athleisure market is really going strong um, because of everyone focused on basics and focused on casual and wearing casual um, during their Zoom calls or their Teams calls. Yeah, the, the, the outdoor sports and outdoor market, you know, they're, recover- they're going to recover a, a lot better than obviously – um, other players in the market um, because, as I mentioned, you know, everyone's focused on casual right now. Um, and, you know, the outdoor recreation economy generates $887 billion in consumer spending. That's U.S. Um, and everyone, obviously, because of social distancing, everyone's outdoors, everyone's running, everyone's hiking, um, everyone's fishing, everyone's playing golf, Um so because we've just finished the summer, that's what everyone was doing, and I think we're going to continue to see that. And a lot of the brand partners that we've been working with, they had mentioned to us that they've seen such a, a dramatic increase on their online sales with their fitness fitness gear. Um, for example, one of our partners, 511 Tactical, um, they are uh, known as more of a tactical brand. They provide um, – apparel to first responders, to the police force, to the um, FBI and the CIA. But now they're finding that uh, their normal everyday consumer, which is like an aspirational consumer who want to be wearing tactical gear or um, uh, who want to be dressed like um, some of those first responders or um, work out like them, they're buying a lot of their gear. So they're finding that their fitness gear is really – is what's selling in addition to their, you know, their mainstream line. Um, so, yeah, I think that the opportunity for the sports and outdoor industry for wool will continue to increase for us. There's real optimism in your voice, Michelle, which I'm sure growers would uh, love to hear. Um, what are your predictions for the next 12 months in terms of uh, demand and getting back to what is some sort of normal? You know, as the economy slowly opens, and as I mentioned, because you know the uh, the economy is 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 on a gradual improvement, it's going to be very slow. Um, but you know, as I mentioned, the American economy and Americans are resilient. And while it is we while we're going through a lot of pain right now with a lot of unemployment, consumer confidence uh, will slowly pick up once uh, there is the vaccine um, and once the political uncertainty perhaps is, is, is over with, um, I do feel like that there will be some more, there will be starting to see, we'll start to see bright spots. Um, you know, I've lived in this, I've lived in, in this country for half of my life. So I've seen a lot of sort of ups and downs and I, I do believe that while this is going to be quite a painful next, you know, nine to 12 months, we will come out of this. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, 
and that the work, the groundwork that the team have done in really raising the profile of the brand um, and the fibre for the growers, I think um, it will yield eventually in the next 12 to 24 months. And, um, and you know, I think that because a lot of the Asian uh, consumers, um, especially China, they look to the American brands um, for, I guess, for innovation and for aspiration. So what we're finding is that, you know, the American brands, they provide a lot of aspiration to the, the Asian consumer and, um, and particularly, obviously, the Chinese. Um, so because of that, I, I do feel like those brands that I mentioned that um, are doing quite well um, and that have quite um, influence in China, um, there'll, there'll also be opportunity not for just um, this market but obviously with the Chinese consumer uh, because most of the brands that we deal with are all, um, all global and all have, um, have resonance with the Chinese market. But I am confident that um, once a vaccine um, is, is found for COVID and um, once there's more certainty with the political environment, the, the American economy and the American consumer will pick up. Um, so it's not, it's, it's not going to be all doom and gloom. I, I am very optimistic about the market. Not just say that because obviously this is the market that I represent, but I, I do from just from history and just from living in this market for, for, for 20 years, I, I do believe that, that there will be um, light at the end of the tunnel and there will be a lot of opportunity for our growers. Well, that is um, wonderful news. And you talk of resonance, which is interesting. What From someone who speaks with uh, brands and is at the pointy end of our marketing every day, what is having the most resonance with the brands that you're speaking with? Is it aspiration? Is it provenance? Is it re- that renewable, sustainable aspect of our fibre? Or is it indeed animal welfare? What are the things that these brands are wanting to use to sell more product and sell more wool? Uh, what we're seeing across the board in both sports and outdoor and with um, fashion brands is really the eco-credentials of wool. Um, the sustainability of wool, really, I think, um, because of that conscious consumer that we had discussed earlier, um, a lot of the brands, you know, originally it was just the sports and outdoor brands that really cared about those issues of animal welfare and about um, sustainability. But now what we're seeing is in both um, categories is a lot of the questions that we're being asked are are about our eco-credentials. And I think we are... I think, you know, wool is, right before COVID, wool was having a renaissance because of the, the eco-credentials and for people to, uh, for uh, the consumers were really understanding and becoming more educated about wool. You know, old was the new because wool obviously has been around for such a long time and the consumers were only discovering it for the sports and outdoor industry um, working out, like, for example, the partnership we did with APL, the runners that we did, um, that that demographic that we reached was a demographic that wouldn't have thought about working out in wool at all. Um, so I think really it's the eco-credentials um, that uh, the brands uh, really do care about. And, qual- you know, it's the quality. 
the quality issue um, because now that people are buying less, they really want to buy garments that will last them longer. Um, and those pieces that they can keep and then um, really think about perhaps in the, in the future reselling um, because obviously the resale market is another area that is doing quite well um, during, um, during this time. So I'd say um, eco-credentials and quality um, across the board. Um, so we really are positioned in uh, a great place because of the consumer shifting towards um, thinking about their having their values aligned with their purchasing decisions. Um, and so I think wool ticks all the boxes for where the, the future is headed for the consumer and the American consumer, but also, I guess, the Canadian consumer as well. Michelle, thank you so much for flying the flag for wool. It's been incredibly interesting listening to to um, what is on the cards over there. And uh, despite these dark times, there there is plenty to look forward to. It's been great to hear from you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Marius. Thank you so much for having me on the yarn. Michelle Lee, there, head of Americas for Woolmark AWI. And before you forget, just have a listen to episode 108 of The Yarn and the effect that coming to Australia and meeting wool growers has on US retailers. So Michelle certainly went into a lot of depth there about what the company does in this key market. And in coming weeks, we're going to also feature China. And in these times, that is going to be an interesting episode also. But I hope you enjoyed today. We certainly appreciate all the feedback and the reviews that come in through iTunes and Spotify, as well as emails to theyarnatwool.com. So thanks for your company. And from me, Marius Cumming, I look forward to it again next time.